0: If you want to make progress dismiss this kind of reasoning if i neglect my business i will not have anything to live on or if i don't punish my slave he will not be good it is better to starve to death in a calm and confident state of mind than to live anxiously amidst abundance and it is better also for your slave to be bad than for you to be unhappy so make a start with the little things like some oil being spilled or some wine being stolen then tell yourself this is the price one pays for not getting worked up, the price for tranquility. Nothing comes for free. When you summon your slave reflect that he is quite capable of not responding, or if he does respond that he may do none of the things that you want. In any case, he is too unimportant for your tranquility to depend on him. Enchiridion 12. In this passage Epictetus is addressing those who want to make progress. Stoic Procoptons. This passage is similar to the opening of Discourses 1.4, where Epictetus says, One who is making progress, having learned from the philosophers that desire has good things for its object and aversion bad things, and having also learned that serenity and freedom from passion can be achieved only by one who is neither frustrated in his desires nor falls into what he wants to avoid. Such a person, then, has rid himself of desire altogether and put it aside for the present and feels aversion only toward those things that lie within the sphere of choice. If he tries to avoid anything that lies outside the sphere of choice, he knows that he'll run into some such thing one day, in spite of the aversion that he feels for it, and so be unhappy. End quote. Epictetus then continues later in Discourses 1.4 with a definition of progress that I think is essential. He says, Now if virtue promises to enable us to achieve happiness freedom from passion, and serenity, then progress towards virtue is surely also progress towards each of these states. For it is invariably the case that whatever the end may be towards which perfection in anything definitely leads, progress marks an approach toward that end. Discourses 1, four, three. This passage is important because Stoic theory asserts that we are fools until we become sages. In other words, there are no degrees of virtue. Virtue is an all-or-nothing state of being, where one is either virtuous or vicious. While the Stoics maintained this theory, in practice, they allowed for progress toward the end goal. In the analogy of the drowning man, he is drowning whether he is one foot or 100 feet beneath the surface. Nevertheless, he is a lot closer to safety at the one foot depth, even though he has not arrived at the surface yet. Therefore there's no reason to become disheartened because we will remain fools and likely never develop the virtue of a sage. We can make progress. Epictetus notes in Discourses 1.4 that progress towards virtue is progress toward happiness, freedom from passion and serenity. So what is Epictetus telling us about progress in Enchiridion 12? he instructs us that we must dismiss some particular types of reasoning if we want to make progress, and he offers two examples of this type of reasoning that we need to dismiss. In each example of faulty reasoning, Epictetus also provides us with the correct reasoning and a way to apply it to make progress. In the first example, the faulty reasoning is, if I neglect my business, I will have nothing to live on. The correct reasoning is, it is better to starve to death in a calm and confident state of mind than to live anxiously amidst abundance. Then the application for progress is to make a start with little things, like some oil being spilled or some wine being stolen, then tell yourself, this is the price one pays for not getting worked up, the price for tranquility. Nothing comes free of charge. Let's break this example down why is this faulty reasoning? After all, our business, whatever that may be, indeed is necessary to put food on the table and a roof over our head. And as I've said before, stoicism does not require us to become renunciants and give up our jobs, possessions, and homes. Nevertheless, Epictetus frequently uses extremes to make a point. In this case, it's easy to imagine this faulty reasoning being uttered by a business person whose primary or sole mission in life is making money. In other words. I think it's safe to say that the target of this lesson is the person whose life is completely out of balance. They desire abundance and fear poverty. Therefore, their aim is not the development of an excellent character. Epictetus corrects this faulty reasoning by positing the opposite extreme. It is better to starve to death with a calm and confident mind than to suffer from anxiety while living in abundance. This lesson is not new. It restates the Stoic principle that externals do not have any moral value. Therefore, no matter how much material abundance we amass, we will not experience well-being without developing moral excellence. Finally, Epictetus offers us a practical way to apply this lesson. He opens by declaring that we should start with the little things. A little of our favorite cologne, perfume, dessert, salsa, or wine gets spilled on the floor, or a favorite pen is stolen from our desk at work. These are little things that allow us to practice maintaining our peace of mind despite the loss. This is the price that we pay for tranquility of mind. By practicing these little losses, we are training for the big ones. Losing our job, car, house, health, a loved one, etc. We will likely not endure those more significant losses well unless we practice with the small ones first. We also must remember our previous lessons each time we experience a small loss. Even with those small things, we must not forget to say to ourselves, I didn't lose it, I returned it. In Kyriidian 11. And since this is the way it did happen, this is the way I want it to happen. In Chiridian 8. Now in example 2, Epictetus gives us the faulty reasoning of if I don't punish my slave, he will not be good. The correct reasoning that he offers is that it is better for your slave to be bad than for you to be unhappy. The application of the process, when you summon your slave, reflect that he is quite capable of not responding. Or, if he does respond, he may not do the things that you want. In any case, he is too unimportant for your tranquility to depend on him. Before we go any further, I will take the liberty of modifying this passage to make it relevant to us today. Fortunately, humankind around the globe recognized the evil of slavery and rid itself of that inhumane practice. Therefore, a slave does not provide us moderns with a reasonable frame of reference for this lesson. As a substitute, I recommend we use a child. Anyone who has been the parent of a two-year-old or a teenager knows the words of Epictetus in Enchiridion 12 apply pretty well. Let's try it out and make sure it works. Our faulty reasoning is, if I don't punish my child, he will be no good. Correct reasoning would be, it is better for your child to be bad than for you to be unhappy. The application for progress, when you summon your toddler or teenager reflect that they are quite capable of not responding, or if they respond, that they may do none of the things you want. In any case, they are too unimportant for your tranquility to depend on them. Yeah, I think that works quite well. As with other passages in the Inc. we must be careful not to stack extra baggage on this one after replacing slave with child, someone might object saying, how can you say my child is unimportant? Well, that's not the meaning of the passage, whether we apply it to slaves in ancient times or a child in our own times. We will get to that in a minute, but before, let's start with the beginning of this example. Again, the faulty reasoning here begins with an attempt to control something external to ourselves. All parents quickly realize they cannot control their children. We can provide them with education and nurturing environment, but we can't control them. One of the hardest things for a parent to accept is that their best efforts may not produce the desired effect. This does not imply that we should not make every effort to raise our children to be virtuous adults. Nevertheless, they are self-directed co-creators of their fate, and they will make their own choice. That is their God-given right. We cannot control them, and their behavior Is not entirely up to us, which is the faulty reasoning Epictetus is warning us about in this lesson. So what is the correct reasoning then? We must not allow the behavior of our children to affect our well-being. When we react to our children's bad behavior, we frequently get dragged into their emotional turmoil. As any parent knows, this is a downward spiral that you're unlikely to recover from until both of you crash and burst into an emotional ball of flames. No one knows how to push our buttons better than our children. So, how do we apply this lesson? We refuse to allow the behavior of our children to provoke emotional disturbance in us. We say, stop it, to the impression that our child's bad behavior affects our moral character in any way. Then, we strip it bare by attempting to see it for what it is. My two-year-old is throwing a tantrum. Well, that's pretty much what two-year-olds do. There's nothing odd about this behavior. Or, my teenage child is acting rude, inconsiderate, and belligerent. Well, they're a normal teenager. It's part of the growth process. Finally, we see it from a cosmic perspective. We might ask ourselves, how can I help my two-year-old learn there's a better way to act that helps them get what they want, or teach them that what they want is not good for them? In the case of a teenager, it might be helpful to remember how we acted at that age. It's likely that this outburst is not really about the trivial issue at hand. We might want to ask, what is my teenage child really dealing with at this moment? And can I be understanding enough to inspire them to open up about it and talk about it with me? Epictetus's point in this lesson is this. If we allow this faulty reasoning to create desires, aversions, and intentions to act, we will develop a state of wretchedness in our psyche. There are no new principles to learn in this lesson. Epictetus is simply using two new examples to drive home the lesson of Enchiridion I. If we seek our well-being in externals, things we do not have complete control over, no matter what they are, health, wealth, reputation, career, children, lover, spouse, etc., we will inevitably be frustrated, pained, and troubled, and we will find fault in gods and men. As we progress through the lessons in Enchiridion, one thing becomes clear. If we fail to absorb and apply the lesson of Enkyridian one, everything else is for naught our judgments of the events of nature are the only thing that can affect our moral character and bring about a state of well-being. In this lesson, the interlocutor throws two objections at Epictetus, and he quickly refutes them both with the lesson from Enchiridion I. Therefore, as a reminder, I will read that most important passage in my closing. Some things in the world are up to us, while others are not. Up to us are our faculties of judgment motivation, desire, and aversion. In short, everything that is our own doing. Not up to us are our body and poverty, our reputation, and our official positions. In short, everything that is not our own doing. Moreover, the things up to us are naturally free, unimpeded, and unconstrained, while the things not up to us are powerless, servile, impeded, and not our own Keep this in mind, then, if you think things naturally servile are free and that things that are not your own are ours, you will be frustrated, pained and troubled, and you will find fault with gods and men. But if you think you own only what is yours, and that you do not own what is not yours, as you really don't, no one will ever put pressure on you. No one will impede you. You will not reproach anyone. You will not blame anyone. You will not do a single thing reluctantly. No one will harm you. You will have no enemy, because nothing harmful will happen to you. Keep in mind, then, that you have to be highly motivated if you want to achieve such high goals. You will have to forego some things completely and postpone others for the present. But if you want both at the same time, the things that are really yours plus prominence and wealth in addition, you will probably not get even the latter because of wanting the former as well. And you certainly will not get the former, which are the only things to secure freedom and happiness. Right now then, make it your habit to tell every jarring thought or impression, you are just an appearance and in no way the real thing. Next, examine it and test it by these rules that you have. First and foremost, does it involve the things up to us or the things not up to us? And if it involves the things not up to us, have the following response at hand. Not my business. Enchiridion 1 Thank you for listening to Stoicism on Fire. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That tells others that this podcast is worth listening to and helps introduce more people to the ancient spiritual practices of the Stoics. If you're interested in exploring traditional stoicism further you will find plenty of resources at traditionalstoicism.com if you're ready for an online mentored training program check out the college of stoic philosophers at college of that is where i received my initial education and training in the theory and practice of stoicism if you're interested in a social media environment where you can find some like-minded fellow travelers join us on facebook in the traditional stoicism group. If you have feedback for me or a great podcast idea, send me an email at chris at traditionalstoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you will continue practicing the traditional form of stoicism where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine creative fire of the ancient stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of stoicism on fire.